0: Look, see this? This is the end. She ends up at home, okay? She ends up at home, so it's going to be okay. So now we're going to go back and watch how she gets there, okay? And so she was able to, you know, sit back and enjoy the rest of the story and just watch how it unfolded because she saw how it was going to end up. And the reason I tell you that story is because that's, I think, a little bit of what we see in this passage, Uh, This passage comes from what we call uh, the Farewell Discourse. Uh, It's basically Jesus' farewell speech to his disciples. Uh, It's him giving them uh, his last, in a sense, last words. They're about to face the prospect of living, what, what you and I in some sense know all too well, of living in this world as a follower of Jesus, but without him right there. This was all brand new to them. He had just told them that he's going to be leaving them, that he's going to die, and they're going to be on their own. And so they're they're no doubt confused and scared and sad. And so basically what Jesus does is what my what my friend did. He said, "Listen, I understand that you're you're feeling these things, and I want you to see, I want you to see the end." In the end, you're going to end up at home with me. That's where all this is heading. It's going to be okay. You're going to end up at home with me. And so he gives them this picture of of home, the concept of home. And that's what I want to look at this morning. I want you to see three things this morning about this, this home that Jesus has for us. The first thing I want you to see is where, where this home is not. Second thing we'll look at is where this home is. And thirdly and finally, we'll look at who will be there. So first, where, where is it not? Uh, again, Jesus tells his disciples, he, he's trying to calm their fears and calm their worries. And he says, all of this is gonna, it's going to end well. In an ultimate sense, it's going to end well. And he says, I'm going to go and prepare a place for you. Literally a a dwelling place. And it's going to be in my father's house. I'm going to go and I'm going to make you a place where you will be at home. And so look, no matter who you are, uh, I think the imagery of being at home resonates with you in one way or another. Uh, just the very fact that we are people, right? We have, we have real bodies that are localized. We can only be in one place, right? We were built, I guess you could say, we were built to be somewhere. We were built to have a place. Now, some of you might know the concept of being at home and what, how good that feels, and that might resonate with you because you've experienced it in some way. Uh, maybe you grew up, uh, in a good home, and it was easy to be there. Your parents provided for you and, and loved on you, and you know that you have this understanding that a sense of home is where you fit. It's where you feel comfortable. It's where, it's where you can be you. Uh, the, you know, in a, in a very sort of mundane sense, the, your things are there. They're where you like them to be your chair that fits you the right way, Uh, whatever else. You get the idea that a sense of home is where you can just relax and rest. Unfortunately, uh, some of you may not be able to resonate with that, at least from a a home life standpoint. Um, Unfortunately, uh, you know, in a group this big, it's almost certain that some of you maybe grew up in in situations where home was not a place where you could relax. Uh, You know, if you grew up in an abusive household, uh, if you grew up bouncing from household to household. But I think in some sense you might actually be able to identify or feel a sense of home even more keenly because because of the fact that you have never had it or not had it in the same way. And and you know all too well that the pain of longing for a sense of of a place where you can just be, where you fit, where you belong. And I think all of us can identify with that sense. It's what we call homesickness, right? That sense of, of being in some situation where you don't feel comfortable, where you don't feel like you can let your guard down, where you don't fit. And you, and you long for that sense of being back in that place. I thought of a, uh, two times in my life, uh, popped to my mind when I was thinking about, when have I felt the most homesick? When have I felt that sense of, I am not where I want to be? Uh, two times came to mind. I want to tell you about one, just very quickly. And it was, in, it was in sixth grade, the very beginning of sixth grade, which. It was almost 30 years ago which is hard to believe but uh, the first day first two days of sixth grade all right, will understand all right so in sixth grade uh, you went to my school in sixth grade you moved campuses it was a whole new whole new deal whole new side of town so all new buildings uh, now you don't have a homeroom uh, you know where you stay you take every class in that one room uh, you um, you change classes You had a locker. You kept all your stuff in a locker, not in a tub, in your desk. So it was all new. And for whatever reason, I was sick the first two days of sixth grade. Stayed home. And so when I come back to school on the third day of sixth grade, all of my friends have figured it out. Because it doesn't take that long. But they all get the gist of you got, you know, what, three minutes in between classes and how lockers work and, you know, all, all that. And it's all brand new to me. And I didn't handle it that well. I can still very vividly remember being in the bathroom and looking in the mirror. And yeah, I don't know if this is just embarrassing, if this is going to make you uh, feel think less of me or, or your heart go out to me. <laughs> but sixth grade. I can remember looking in the mirror and just sobbing and saying out loud, I just want to go home. I want to go home. I want to go home. And I bet you've had some experience like that. Whether it was on a trip, whether it was uh, on. Uh, you know, any number of ways, I bet you, all, you know all too well the feeling of, I don't want to be here because I don't fit. And what I want you to see, uh, it's really implicit here in this passage, but what Jesus, I think one thing that Jesus is, is showing us is that, is that this world is not our ultimate home, not the way it is now. That we have a home, and we're going to talk about that in a minute, but it's not here. right? Jesus says, I'm going to prepare a place for you. I'm going to prepare a place for you in my Father's house. You have a home, and the implication is that this is not it. Not in this sinful and broken world. And so how do we apply that? Why does that matter? It, It matters because of this at least one thing it means is that you're not you're not crazy I mean, you might be crazy but not not because of, not because of this not because if you if you look around your life and you feel maybe even this morning maybe all the time you feel like you just don't fit in some way maybe you feel like you don't fit in your own skin because of how insecure you are. You just don't even feel at home being you. Maybe you don't feel at home in in a relationship with your husband or wife or your brother or sister or coworkers, and you just, it's just not, you very much feel like this is not where I'm supposed to be. Maybe you feel that way in your body from a physical sense. Maybe you deal with chronic pain or uh, some sort of uh, mental disability, or physical disability. And you feel very much not at home in your own body. Maybe you feel that way when you feel rejected by somebody you care about or when you feel afraid or alone or whatever it might be. I want you to see that you're not, you're not crazy for feeling that way. Because this is not our home. You were built for something more. Uh, C.S. Lewis in Mere Christianity, you've probably heard this quote, but he says, the Christian says, creatures are not born with desires unless satisfaction for those desires exists. Sorry. He says, a baby feels hunger Well, there's such a thing as food. A duckling wants to swim. Well, there's such a thing as water. Men feel sexual desire. Well, there's such a thing as sex. If I find in myself a desire which no experience in this world can satisfy, the most probable explanation is that I was made for another world." Look, it just helps us to see that we can't find an ultimate sense of satisfaction in this world. Try as we might, in whatever way, to be at home here. It's just going to come up short. All right, so we get it. I, I hope you get it. This world is, is not, it's not our home. So secondly, I want you to see a little bit about where this home is, that you have a, a true home you see what Jesus is saying. Even though we all get it, we're not fit, we don't fit here. But the good news is that there is a place where you do fit and Jesus is looking at his disciples and, and, and us by extension and saying, this is going to happen one day. I'm going to take you to where ultimately in every conceivable, way, you will feel perfectly at home. It's a beautiful thing. He says, I'm going to come back. I'm going to show up again, and I'm going to take you there, and you're finally going to be home. Uh, I came across a blog that I want to read a little bit, uh, a very small excerpt to you, and it's from the It's from the Children's Organ Transplant Association's website. All right, so you already know, like, this, you know, buckle up, right? And if you know me, you know I'm probably going to cry through this whole thing. It's okay. All right, so uh, this is about a, um, about a then two-year-old boy. Uh, His name, my apologies, I don't know that I can pronounce it right, but I'm going to pronounce it shambach Quitambo. and this is written by his mother. From his perspective, as he's leaving the hospital, when he was six months old, uh, he had some sort of heart defect and he needed a heart transplant. So he was in the hospital for eight months. That means, I'll do the math for you, that when he left, he had, been in the ho- he had spent more of his life in the hospital than out. All right, so this is, uh, this is what she wrote from his perspective. All right. After a long journey of struggles, sufferings, endurances, and unpromising outcomes, a long journey of eight months of being sick, where all the possibilities of me coming out of the hospital alive were exhausted, the dawn has finally come. I am, I am finally going home. That's gonna be the refrain throughout this whole thing. I am finally going home. I came 136 miles away to this hospital to get me fixed. The doctors, the nurses, he goes on and lists everyone that he interacted with and thanks them and says, I am finally going home. I am finally going home to, to my beloved family, my dad, my mom, my sisters, who got the stubborn hope Hoping in the dark, days and nights fought the hardest battle, which any human being can fight and never stop fighting. I'm finally going home. Oh, he goes on and on. I'm finally going home with my soul and my new heart inside my body. I am not, this is the part that always gets me. Because evidently, at some point, uh, he loses his hand. They have to take his hand. So that that's sad. All right, but I got to read it. Uh, he says, "I'm not leaving anything else behind. If not leaving behind my new name, my history, my left hand, and my old heart, but I am finally going home. I am finally going home. Not because I want to, but because I have to. I was meant to live." And go home. Because somebody who loves me the most decided that I should go home. And that somebody is the one who created and saved me. My Lord said, I am finally going home. Um, Yeah, he says, I'm going to end with this. I'm not saying goodbye. I'm not just going home. I am finally going home. All right. Now look, some of you might can actually relate to an experience like that of being in a hospital for uh, days and days, or even months and months, and, and then have had the experience of of getting the good news that it, it's over, that you finally get to go home. And I, I I want you to think about that moment. If you've never, if, if you haven't been in that situation, right? Certainly you can you can. Picture it. Eight months of sleeping on that little bed, that little chair that you pull out into a bed, nurses coming in all night, of of wondering if your little boy was gonna die, of constantly worrying and praying, and then one day, it just all changes and you get to go from from the smell of the hospital it, to to the smell of your house right everybody's house smells you know that right you're thinking my house doesn't smell everybody else's does but your house smells too smells like you you get to go home you get to go home and not see nurses all day but see your friends in the neighborhood you get to go home and and not hear the beeping of your monitors anymore, but, but hear, hear the beeps of your video games. You get to go be with your family, and you get to be at home. That's what Jesus is telling us. That one day, that's gonna happen. <clears throat> so, what does that look like for us? What does it mean for us? Look, if you're, if you're a believer, if your, if your faith is in Christ, that means that there is coming a day and that day is going to last forever where you will never feel uncomfortable ever again. You will never again feel awkward. You will never again feel afraid of anything. You will never again feel embarrassed. You will never Ever worry about whether or not people like you or whether people love you. You will never struggle with any insecurity again. You'll be perfectly at home in your own skin. You will never look at your body and be disgusted with it ever again. You will never feel that pain that you feel ever again it'll be gone. You'll feel perfectly at home in every relationship. You will never feel the pain of a breakup again. Perfectly at home. You will never feel the tug of temptation. You will never feel the tug and the the dysfunction and the misery of sin and guilt ever again. And look, if and since that's true, that has to give us at least a little perspective on the here and now, right? If, if there really is that one day, someday that's coming where it's all going to be made right and we're going to be at home in every aspect, look, that doesn't make it, is life still hard? Yeah. Yeah. Is it, in some sense, just as hard? Yeah. But at the same time, doesn't just that perspective, that it's only for a time, doesn't that help us persevere at least a little bit? I think it has to. Right, if you could go back and, and somehow uh, prove to Schombach's mother that you're only gonna be here for eight months, it's gonna be eight months, But it will end. Don't you see how that would have changed those eight months? It would have still been really, uh, gosh, it would have been brutal. But there would have been hope. And you and I have that hope. That no matter what happens, no matter how hard things get. And look, in in light of what we just prayed about. I would like to think that I don't I don't give that to you lightly. But honestly this is the only way that that we can process or endure something like that. Because we have a home. Thirdly and thirdly and finally I want you to see who will be there, who will be in this home. Uh, Jesus tells us who's going to be there with us in this home, and it's a uh, it's sort of a two-parter, but we're going to be very quick. Uh, the first is that it's clear that there are going to be other people there. There are going to be other people. Verse 2 says, in his father's house there are many rooms. There are going to be a lot of people there. Uh, we see uh you can't see this, but I went to seminary, uh, which means I read a commentary, let's just be honest. The, the, the you in these verses is plural. He's addressing all of his disciples, and again, us by extension. Other, other places in Scripture, plenty of places in Scripture show us that uh, there are going to be a lot of people there, a multitude no man can number, John says. There are going to be a lot of other people there. And so just a couple of quick thoughts. One, that means that for the believer, there's no such thing as goodbye. For the believer, there's no ultimate goodbye. And that's good news. You're going to see them again. And you're going to spend eternity together. And you're going to actually enjoy them and relate to them in a way in which you could have never imagined here. Because it's going to be perfect. No more harsh words. No more awkwardness. No more bitterness. Uh, it, you'll be perfectly at home with them. Uh, but secondly, we see that there are going to be a lot of others. But the last thing I want to leave you with is that Jesus is going to be there. Look, that's the highlight of this this whole thing. Jesus is going to be there. Uh, he. Re- He's the beauty of heaven. The the reason all of the other things that we've talked about can and will be true, it's because Jesus is there. And if you notice, look in verse 3. Jesus basically says that Jesus is going to go, and Jesus is going to prepare a place for us. Jesus is going to come back. Jesus is going to take us to himself, also that we can be with Jesus. It right, seems to be making a point that the whole thing makes sense and is beautiful and matters, and it all centers around Jesus. Heaven is heaven because Jesus is there. And I think it makes sense if you think about it. Um, if you, uh, right now, uh, 11,004 Trailwood Drive uh, doesn't mean a lot to you, but that's, uh, that's my address, it's my house, and uh, it's, it's a great place. I love my house. I, I do very, you know, very much feel at home there. Um, yeah, I love, you know, I could list lots of things that I love about it. Thank you, Tracy. Um, we love our, we love our house. But I want you to imagine if, for some strange reason, all of a sudden, Amy, and Miles, and Davis, and Lucy were not allowed to live there anymore, but they had to live somewhere else, in another house. How does that change 11, what, what 11,004 Trailwood Drive means to me? It, it changes almost everything about it, right? It all of a sudden goes from my home to being a place where I keep some stuff, and where I come in out of the elements, and, and sleep why because the the loves of my life are not there right you get the idea heaven is heaven because Jesus is there so what does that mean for us it means that one day someday you and I are going to get to spend an eternity in perfect fellowship with Jesus that means that you are going to get to know what it means that you're going to live by you're not going to live by faith anymore. That might sound weird, but you're not going to live by faith. You're going to live by sight. You're going to know what it means to be with Jesus and and worship him without being distracted about your own guilt without a mind that's constantly racing to a hundred other things. You're finally going to be able to talk to him and interact with him, right? It's what we call prayer. Without without your mind going all over the place and, and realizing, gosh, I haven't hardly talked to him at all. To know what it's going to feel like to be with Him and not experience any shame or any guilt. I want to end with this thought. What, what is it that's going to propel our worship forever in heaven? Yeah. you ever thought about that? <clears throat> what is it? I'll say it like this, because honestly there's a part of me that hears that, that, that heaven is heaven because Jesus is there. And there's a big part of my heart that goes, that's awesome, I think. I'm supposed to think that. I know I'm supposed to say that, because I'm the preacher. But there's this part of me that thinks, like, "Okay, yeah, that's supposed to be great for me. And then I kind of think, like, all right, note to self, tomorrow morning, start loving Jesus more. Start, like, really trying to love him. But look, here's the good news. Here's what's going to propel your worship for heaven for an eternity. Uh, Even if, especially if, and look, if you're a believer, you've thought that. Even when you think things like that. I want to read 1 Corinthians 13, 12. It says, for now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face, now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I have been fully known. See what Paul's saying? He seems to be saying that I I get all this here and now, I get all this, the gospel, that Jesus loves me, that I'm a sinner, and that Jesus loves me in spite of that and forgives me. I, I get all that to some degree. But one day, one day, I'm going to see the fullness of it. The fullness of what? I'm going to see just how much Jesus knew about me. I'm going to see how big of a sinner I really was and how hard I was to save. And what that's going to show me is how much Jesus really loved me. What's going to propel our worship for eternity is realizing that Jesus loves you far more than you ever imagined, because you're a way bigger sinner than you know. You're going to know, you're going to see the magnitude of his love, and that's going to go on forever. An eternity of resting forever and enjoying Him. And that's the good news. It's the good news that's offered to me and to you this morning. And I, I pray that we all take it and enjoy and rest in it. Let's pray.